You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. And the hits just keep on coming. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, have you gotten all the water out of your clothing and hair and face and body? Um, I think I spent a whole three hours underwater um, and then went home and took a hot shower for like another 45 minutes. Yeah, that was uh, – I've been going to giant games now pretty much for 20 years, and I would say that was probably – a top five to top three most miserable physical experience I've had. Um, the only things I can compare it to was, uh, ugh, I don't know, it was like 2005 or 2006. We had a Saturday night game. We played Carolina. The win was just brutal. And last regular season game of the year in 2000, we played Jacksonville on the Saturday when it was frigid cold. I don't think I felt my toes for about a month after that. So, and you just combine it with the fact that, you know, our season was ended of any, you know, any real, I don't even say real hope, any mathematical hope. It just made everything even worse. Yeah, ignoring the product on the field uh, yesterday, it it was miserable right from waking up in the morning, the, the ride <laughs> in, everything, everything was bogus and... uh I was wearing sweatpants over my jeans to stay warm, you know, and they were so soaked that when I got off the train, they were like falling around my knees and I had to hold them up like it was, you know, 2002 fashion. It was quite a scene, man. (laughs) It was, it was awful. And speaking of awful, you can catch this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe and give us a great review and, uh, five stars um so that we can reach out to more and more giants fans and we can all bask in misery together i hate to say it grump but this is going to be one of those another one of our series of uh reality check programs we're not on the ledge or anything we just i hate to tell it to you guys but you all need a reality check and uh we're going to talk about it right now yeah you know i think this reality check is going to be bringing both sides together i think some people are we're a little too hopeful and I think some people are just way too pessimistic about what happened but uh without further ado the Giants were shut out 17 nothing in what was a miserable miserable game and I mean it's it's just not ideal playing conditions um the Giants failed to do anything on offense of any sort of value uh there were a couple splash plays here and there uh no pun intended were and, there yeah <laughs> be very honest No, yeah, I mean, there were, there were, they strung together a couple of longer passes in the 15 yard range. Um, but they, they didn't result in any points and they always ended with drive killers. Um, and defensively, they were just completely mismatched trying to, right from, as you said, right from the first quarter, we could tell by the time of possession that there was no stopping Derrick Henry and this offense. That's pretty evident because if you look at Derrick Henry's numbers, he didn't break out a 40-yard gain or a 55-yard gain. Everything was consistent, you know, 5 yards, 6 yards, 11 yards, 6 yards, 5 yards, 6 yards. There was no stops behind the line of scrimmage. There was no neutralizing him at the the point of attack. He 
was grinding and grinding and grinding, and there was nothing we can do about it. Yeah, and that that is evident. Like you said, 33 carries for 170 yards, not like a Barkley-style 20 <laughs> carries for 170 yards or something. 33. And to the defensive defense's credit, they were not gashed by any means. I mean, they were getting into third down. They just <laughs> couldn't make the stop. I mean, uh, I, there were a couple of almost-ish goal line stands. I mean, right, right in our end zone. So I mean, we saw mm-hmm. get to fourth down. They just managed to convert, or whatever. Um, the defense was not terrible. The offense was pretty bad. But but let me let me break it to to people here. Mm-hmm. This was going to be in these conditions. This was a perfect matchup for Tennessee. Um, I know that Saquon Barkley is the new sensation for New York. And that this running game has finally found a little bit of life, but this is a fantastic run defense, really good, and they are really good at keeping things in front of them and not allowing big runs to break out. And that is ninety nine percent of what Saquon Barkley does: runs and check down passes. And you take away, you know, the best passing weapon in Odell Beckham not playing for the second week in a row. You don't have to account for the passing game as much or you know always have some guy continuously your best you know corner or, or having safety coverage and help for it so you can key more on stopping that running game so yeah exactly so so the, you took the words right out of my mouth i mean the way to beat this titans defense is their weakness is downfield if you can get enough pass protection to throw downfield you you can beat them um the mm-hmm. problem is the conditions were terrible for throwing downfield. And and I, I'm not really sure how it looked on TV, but let me tell you, it was coming down. It wasn't a torrential downpour, but it was a steady, strong rain. And and the other thing, Grump, was it may not have showed it necessarily with the flags on top of the goalpost. Yeah, but, but it was windy. It was, it was evident when they were going, I guess when you're throwing from left to right, balls were fluttering and balls were hanging. Mm-hmm. We saw that with Eli and we saw it even with uh Mariota. um Mariota too. I mean balls were floating. And so again, these are not I this is the ideal condition would I think Gettleman and Shermer want this team to ultimately be built on. Yes. Remember let's go back to hog mollies. Let's go back to running the ball. Let's go back to using tight ends. Let's go back to all of those things that this team ultimately wants to be um, something this giant team has not been good at for years now is playing good in these conditions. They have sucked at home in November and December and January the last several years. You know, I, I, they've sucked on the road in these weather, in these conditions. But I think this is what this team is trying to build, and it's going to take time. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but 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 this is the team that Tennessee has right now. They don't right. have a down-the-field weapon. I mean, Corey Davis is still a bit of a work in progress, mm-hmm. but um, you know he could be a downfield weapon, but he's not quite there. He's still a little raw. Mariota is not a, a strong downfield passer. It's not his strength to put the game on his arm, but what they are is a running team, and they have a great offensive line. They've built one. I mean, even with mm-hmm. two guys on IR that should be starters— um, he only threw. He only threw for like ninety yards. Um, yeah, you're right. He didn't throw for that many yards. No, I mean he didn't need to, so I'm not going to trash but, him. But 
right? Oh, no, 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 no. But, no, but this, this is all in their game plan. This is what they wanted. These conditions played perfectly into it. And OBJ's injury, taking away the way to beat this team, really played into their hand. Guys like Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram had to step up. But, again, they're trying to step up in bad conditions. Um, mm-hmm. And playing roles like Sterling Shepard having to go outside, that's not what he does best. Yeah, I so. mean – and just just the fact that they are able to key in on him. I mean, that's what they were going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. But without somebody to take the top off the defense, it they were daring the passes to go downfield, and it just wasn't happening. We've had the conversation on this show a couple of times. Is Sterling Shepard one of the better twos in the league? And it's debatable. You mm-hmm. know, someone we're going to spend money on to keep and significant, you know, market value money to keep him. Well, now you're asking him to be a one. Yeah, not his in this situation. Um, no. Now, I, I'm going to be real. Eli didn't have a good game, but he didn't have a bad game either. I mean, some throws were a little bit off, but there were also some drops. I think they cancel each other out. Ultimately, he ended the day 21 of 44 for 230 yards. It's it's not what I would describe as a bad game. And even with the eye test, I don't think he was bad. He was just a little bit off here and there. you know. And when he was accurate, there were also some drops. Well, the problem is is that the fan, the side of the fan base that's done with Eli, and the media that loves the easy story, there are a couple of things that Eli Manning has always done mm-hmm. that just makes them mental. The when the offensive line breaks down, he folds like a rock. He, you know, he cannot get out of anybody's way. He will get sacked, and too will often, fumble. and that will cause a fumble. And also throwing the bad pick at the inopportune time. Yep. Those things are just Eli things. He's been like that forever. But you know something? When it happens when you lose and when nothing's happening in your offense, that's when all of a sudden the chorus, which we've not heard for the last month, instantly comes roaring back. The I don't want him anymore, the trade him to Jacksonville, the cut him, you know, the Anything is better fallacy. You know, it's (laughs) – I hate to break it to you guys. The Giants are not a team that just reacts as a knee-jerk reaction to major decisions like this. Until they have the secession plan in place, they are not just cutting them. (laughs) So – and, you know, they're not basing their decision on the last game they saw which like a lot of you people are doing. Yeah, I mean, I think Eli needed to step up and play a little bit better, but he did not he was not the reason this game was lost. No. Um but let's let's stay on Eli for a little bit and get this subject out of the way. So mm-hmm. I think it today Shermer was on Francesa. Yes. And said that he believes that Eli still has years left. What do you think that means and do you agree? It means absolutely nothing. That's okay. coach speak that is trying to uh, that is trying to instill confidence in his quarterback because he has two games left. Um, one thing that I have heard bandied around, I think Petrena had an article in either The Athletic or Forbes, which was really interesting, about you might see them actually sign him to a one-year extension to take the cap hit and extend it out a little bit and then not see him come back after next year. So be prepared, Giant fans, if you see – something that makes no sense where how can he be extended beyond next year? It's purely going to be a way to move money around because I'm still steadfast in my belief that 
unless they can get on the free agent market a quarterback who can come in right away and start game one next year, Eli Manning will be starting the season in 2019. And I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to spend the 10 to 15 to whatever millions of dollars it's going to cost to get a Teddy Bridgewater, a Nick Foles. I, I just don't see it happening. There's too many other needs on this team, and they don't have that unlimited cap space, which the you know ignorant Giant fans think we could just go out there and just buy everybody. They think we're the Yankees. So if they decide to draft – you know, if they trade up or they just happen to get a guy at five, six, seven, four, who knows? He's not starting. They're not going to bring – with this offensive line and with the Giants' philosophy, they're not going to bring in a guy and on day one have him out, you know, for the Wolves to destroy him. It's not going to happen. So as much as you hate him and as much as you're, quote, unquote, over him and done with him and, quote, anything could be better, he's coming back. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, and this is something that we're probably going to talk about for the next four or five months, maybe maybe even more. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's back. I mean, if you think about it, the Giants have currently projected $30 million in cap space. And of course, they could cut that down by eliminating Eli Manning's contract. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it would be an elimination of some of the $22 million they'd take a dead cap uh, hit so that it wouldn't be the full 22 or whatever. But, I mean, tell me the wisdom in signing a guy to a short-term deal, a Bridgewater or Nick Foles or something, who doesn't know the offense, that would essentially be the same stopgap solution if he's only going to be slightly better and he has to learn the entire offense. I, I think I think they're better off just kind of, as, as said... You know, if the plan is to find a stopgap solution and draft a quarterback next year or the year after, just extend Eli, move the money around, let him go another year. Two weeks ago, Eli, the fans were, you know, he's not the future, but, you know, maybe he can stick around for 2019. And it, I, I'm paraphrasing, but this is actual stuff I saw from the same people who who felt he shouldn't be starting at the end of this year now suddenly didn't have a problem with him starting 2019 as long as they drafted a quarterback. That's a big leap. So, you know, you guys are a little too reactionary. I, I, and I know you're in the moment and you're frustrated, but there are 15 to 16 roster holes on this team. And while quarterback may be the most important, that just means that it's important not to rush to a decision. You know, if if you fail... When you draft an edge rusher, that's a big deal. But if you fail when you draft a quarterback, it's a five to six year problem. Mm -hmm. So this team is not out of the playoffs because of quarterback. Yes, basic. That's the bottom line. Uh, it's not um, a, a very telling thing for all of you people, and it's interesting on two fronts. We haven't heard in the last seven or so days. Give Kyle Aletta a chance. Mm -hmm. When is his chance? After as bad as Eli was yesterday, and again, we're putting in perspective what does bad mean, you know, other than like the you know the the highlight film bad things he did. He Kyle Aletta was not active. Yeah. What does that tell you? 
Well, some people were reacting to that because I saw that on the train that that was a mistake and what was the point and, you know, are they really giving up on him after five throws? Guys, you saw five throws. They see throws every day in practice. Remember, this is a dude who was late to practice by a couple of hours, multiple times. That should tell you everything. And if you think that makes him a wasted draft pick, I still think you're wrong. In the fourth round, taking a flyer on a guy who's pretty accurate is not It's not a huge law. You showed me who they should have drafted instead, and then we can have an actual discussion. But telling me it's just a wasted draft pick is silly. Yeah, and you know... You could make the argument, well, that was a de facto playoff game for the Giants. And he wasn't going to play regardless anyway. So, you know, I I just, you know, we, again, as fans, as much as we think we're international media stars, we see what we see with our eyes. And what we saw back in August when we went to practice, what we've seen in that, you know, very, very limited thing was just a guy who comes in. We saw a a third quarter preseason quarterback, and I you know something. The, I think it will be very interesting to see now that the season is over and these games are meaningless. Is he going to be inactive again? If you see him inactive again, I think that's even more telling than this past week. Yeah, but I I think the problem also Grump is that this fan base, a lot of people hopefully realize something that this team was not very good coming into free agency. The draft was not very good this year. This team was never built for winning. Now, I don't know where some in the media kind of took that narrative and ran with it. A lot of you delusional fans think that because they spent money on Nate Solder and Patrick O'Malley and, uh, made the trade for Ogle thought that it that, Ogletree that this was the moves that we needed to put us over the top to be at the minimum a playoff team. This is a bad team. This was a terrible team. It's going to take years to be, you know, not nine or ten years, but it's going to take several seasons of offseason rebuilding of this roster. And, you know, I think just people are butthurt a lot because their expectations were burst where it was delusional to think they were better than they are. I mean, Grump, you said it perfectly last week. Of all the scenarios that had to happen for this team to make the playoffs, the toughest one was, was to win out. Giants oh, sure. winning out. Yeah, I disagree with the narrative that not drafting a quarterback is equals win now mode. And that pretty much is what – I mean, the free agent moves were necessary moves. I mean, you can't tell me – that going into the season with Eric Flowers at left tackle was in any way going to help win later. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, the, the upgrade had to be made. There was a good left tackle on the market. There was some money there. Move him. And keeping Eric Flowers at right tackle, you know, that's not also indicative of win now. That's just, you know. Let's take a flyer on him. We're give it a shot. Anyway. He Maybe never played. They never. They have no tape of him playing right tackle. If it's one less move that has to be made, then keep him. They they, they could only stand to win from that. Again, if you're not aiming to win now and you lose, you trade him or cut him, and that's what ended up happening. And now the line is better because of it. 
I mean, is it where it needs to be? No, but he's off the book. It's not a problem. They've moved on. They've assessed the situation. It's not – that was in no way a decision to win now just because they held on to Eric Flowers. Trading for Ogletree. I mean, you're switching to a 3-4 defense on a team that only had bad linebackers and one relative unknown in B.J. Goodson. So you need linebackers, and you need mm-hmm. proven veteran linebackers, somebody to be a voice in the room. I don't think that the trade was a bad move. I mean, you know, whatever with the contract, it's just the point. I don't think that's a win-now move. I think these were all building blocks to transition this team in the right direction. Will mm-hmm. they be a part of the team that finally does win next year or the year after or whatever? Maybe, maybe not, but they got them there in between. They set the, the stones. The offensive line at the end of last year was in a situation they could have killed Eli Manning. Yes. I mean, they had to get to a point where at least he could sort of stand upright and not have the potential to get killed. And we've seen after the very beginning, those first couple of weeks where they just were not on the same page and still figuring out the scheme and everything. And, you know, five starters, in different positions, you know, they're at least at inconsistent level now, like I said, and go around the league and look at these guys that, you know, you wanted Weston Richburg. He's like, I think he's rated by, Pro Football Focus, like the 29th or 30th best center in the league right now. Justin Pugh is out again. Yeah, he's out again. So you want to spend money on that and have nothing, and you know, go to your backups, which were, you know, couldn't beat out a terrible starting group last year. Meanwhile, Nate Solder started every game and was played between somewhat poor and pretty good all year. Yeah, he had his share of bad games, but. I mean, you're not going to tell me that he was Eric Flowers bad. Yeah, and guess what, guys? You don't sign free agents to a three- or four- or five-year deal to win it all the first year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the teams that you know have very good offensive lines have played together for a couple of years. They have that, that communication, that kind of I look at you, you look at me type of thing. Mm-hmm. That takes time to build that chemistry. And you know something? Maybe, you know, we draft the best left tackle in the in the draft this year and we slide Solder over to right tackle or something. We we don't know. We need to acquire talent. And that's something that this offensive line did not have last year. Talent. NFL quality talent. We have to accumulate it and we may pay for it more on the open market than we want to, but you have to get to a point where you have a base level of talent. Then you can get choosy with, you know, Drafting guys to fill needs and things. Not not to plug because this wasn't at all planned, but today John Ladard uh, released his mock draft version 5, 4, whatever. Um, and I, I very much respect his work. I think he's a realist. I think he doesn't overvalue, does a lot of work in the scouting. I, I, I could not sing the praises of his work more. And he had the Giants selecting Jonah Williams from Alabama to play right tackle on the other side. Um, you know, just throwing that into the universe that he foregone, I think he went, I think Justin Herbert was still on the board in his mock draft when the Giants selected him. So don't be surprised. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all going to come down to what, how badly do they value getting a quarterback and the quarterback that's on the board for them mm -hmm. or get them and things. Circling back to the game. Um, Here's one thing that I think went wrong here, and and I think we can discuss this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Pat Shermer called a bad game. 
I think offensively, you know, they struggled to get started, etc. But it was just a tough game. I mean, this is a difficult game that played perfectly into the hands of Tennessee. But one thing I think he screwed up on, and, you know, we can debate this, you and I, but Pat Shermer seems to be a big fan of deferring the kickoff. And I know that the Cranky fan likes to get the ball, but for whatever, he, he believes, A, he wants to put things in the hands of his defense to start. I think he likes to do the score before the half and then get the ball again and score again the second half. Maybe there's math to back that up. I don't know personally. All I know is that it hasn't worked super against them this year, but I think in this game, in these conditions against this team, I think you're better served trying to score first and get them into a situation where they want to throw the ball. And he went along with this thing, deferred the kickoff, and the Giants, I don't think they got the ball until there was like three minutes left in the first quarter. Well, you 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 just took the uh, what I was going to say is it's not even a question of scoring first, you know, more possessions or something. It's time of possession, and we feared this yeah. that Tennessee would chew up large sections of the clock, and giving them the ball first allows them to start to do that right away. So that's one another one of the things I thought. Um, I, I, I you know again I am a product of Steve Spurrier. I am someone who just says, you know, you get the ball first, you score, you put them in a position to be defensive the entire time. Um, yeah, it's just, I always, every time I watch a game, to me it's always an ego thing where these coaches want to, oh, we'll put our defense on the field and we'll show them. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me of, you know, win-loss percentage when you kick off first or you defer or whatever, but to me it just seems like, I like to control the, the, the tempo and the pace of a game, and I think when you kick off, you're not. I mean, I, I, you and I will go back and forth as to we're in the face, but I, for me, I just think that it's situational. It's like all these decisions that go for two of the onside's kick, you do them situationally. If you need to get points on the board and you want to go for two, how is your offense doing? I mean, were you sputtering and then you scored a miracle touchdown? That's not really stringing things together. That's not really putting the defense on their heels. I mean, that's one missed tackle and one great play. It's not the same. And I I guarantee you, you're not going to get your two-point conversion. You know, same thing with going for it on fourth down. I mean, were you really putting together a drive or did you just kind of get nine yards? I mean... These are things to keep in mind. I mean, also, what's the run defense here against? How are they against the pick play on the outside? You know, there's all these things to consider. I don't think you just make a decision. I think you make an informed decision based on your situation. And in this situation, I think you want them to, A, have to catch up and, you know, get them in a situation where if it's third and four, maybe they're thinking about throwing it instead of handing off to Derrick Henry because they really need that first down so they can get some points. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's just unacceptable that you can have a nine-play drive for Tennessee that thankfully ended up in a missed field goal. And, you know, then you go three plays, get two yards out of it, and then they go on a 15-play drive for a touchdown. And you're in the second quarter. That's unacceptable. I mean, they completely controlled the pace of the game at that point. And we knew going into the game that that would happen, that that was going to be the struggle, was controlling the pace of the game. I think kicking off really hurt their their chances of controlling the pace of the game. So in this situation, I think it was a bad choice. I agree. (laughs) I mean, there's three ways that you can coach, you know, making decisions 
purely by your chart, purely by your gut, or situational? The first two are not being a smart, dynamic coach. The third way is. so. I will say, though, and I don't know I, – I didn't really follow up on this, so this is sort of bad prep work on my part here. You can call me Stephen A. Smith if you want, but um, I'm not sure if this was planned or what happened, but the fake punt situation with Riley Dixon, I like the call in the situation. I like the call. I liked everything about it. Now, if that was just improvised because of a bobbled snap or maybe he just saw something he liked or whatever, then heads up play. That's good. But if that was called, I loved everything about it, the timing, everything. I it, thought it was I thought it was I thought it was a bad bobbled um snap and then he just took off. I mean if that's the case then he did a great job, but if it was the call, I think, you know, given the conditions, you know, the the way the game was going, I thought it was brilliant. So, I'm willing to give him credit if that was called. If not, then it's just a heads up play and I have it's not a negative that he didn't do it. It's just, you know, it is mm-hmm. what it is. Um Here's here's the other thing, and this is a huge thing. This is about the third week in a row, maybe maybe the second week in a row. The fucking penalties. The penalties are out of control. And some of it was bullshit, but, I mean, it's no surprise to me that the disciplined team with, like, what, two penalties, three penalties, the whole game won 17 yeah. to nothing. I mean, out of control penalties in the last three weeks. We said it. We were watching the game that this is a very good fundamental Tennessee team. If they just had more talent at some of the skill positions, they could be one of the best teams in the AFC. Oh, sure. They they, they looked well-coached, well-disciplined, uh, good play calling, good game planning. But, you know, they just need, you know, more skilled talent to be, you know, take that next leap. And and where a lot of people were blaming Eli for the loss, I, I think the number one reason why this team lost, other than circumstance, which you can't control, you can't control that Beckham's hurt, you can't control the weather, okay, that's fine. The number one reason that they could control was the penalties. Drive killers. Drive killers all over the place. Even the interception that you can totally blame Eli on, there was a third and 20 because of a penalty. So these are drive killers. That was a drive that was killed. That was actually moving the ball finally. And who knows what the pace of the game becomes if the Giants score in that point. I mean, as bad as they played and as much as Tennessee dominated the time of possession, the majority of this game was 7 nothing. So well, That's been a theme all year, though. I mean, for, But, I mean, the penalties have only been the last couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the bigger theme about just we've hung around all of these games. Yeah, you know, true. You know, we, we really... We we said this all along. Other than the Dallas game and that first Philly game, you know, we've hung around. Losers lose, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's a bad coaching decision. It's a bad penalty here. It's an untimely turnover here. And this again, as people just you know, they see the shutout, they see the untimely things. They're like, they got their asses kicked. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> this is have a nothing game at halftime. Yeah, I don't know what to tell anybody that thinks that this game is. That that having a different quarterback this game is a win. I, I just I don't see it. You know why I don't see it? Watch the tape of New England versus this team. Tell me what Tom Brady looked like against this team. If if it's only quarterback that matters, then you tell me all about it. Yeah, I 
I understand why people are frustrated and people need a scapegoat. Oh, I, I mean, get it, yeah. And I mean, believe me, Eli has you and I agree, right? This is this is the end pretty much for Eli. This there's not much left in the tank. However, if I'm fixing this team and I'm gonna fix the quarterback spot, I'm gonna do it right. I'm not just going to get a guy because he's coming out this year. Well, well that's it. You, you just hit it on the head. You know, we we all the arguments we're going to get on with people on Twitter and all the debates we have with everybody. It's it's not that we're Eli supporters and we're not talking about well, he won two Super Bowls. You know, he gets a play as long. That's not the case. Not at all. The case is how do you how do you move on? And again, I have been through in college. I've been through it even with the Giants where make a change because it can't get any worse is bullshit. It is, you know, try it. You know, this team right now is a 5-9 and nine team with a lot of problems. If Kyla, if they decided after last year, if Eli Manning decided he was going to retire, which we all thought was kind of going to happen, <laughs> what do you think this team would be this year? This team would be worse than Phoenix. Yeah, there would there would not have been that one four out of five stretch, and I don't care that it was New Orleans and a you know a no quarterback Washington and a no quarterback you know Chicago whatever. This would have been the worst team in the league if Kyle Letter or Davis Webb or Alex Tanney would have been your quarterback. Because guess what, you know we didn't have that much cap space. We had bigger concerns at the time. So if we even let's say we use some of that cap money instead on getting Nate Solder or Patrick Omame, and we use it on a quarterback, a stopgap immediately one, this offensive line is probably worse than last year. So pick your poison. So the well, I'm done with them. I I feel you. We're all ready to move on. We, yeah. we want greener pastures. Get cut him, not happening. Trade him to Jacksonville. Doug, I love you out there, but stop. <laughs> Doug. Doug, you know who you are out there. You know, even Pat had to tell him, Pat Train had to give him the, you know, for the thousandth time, he, he has a no trade clause. You can't just <laughs> trade him. <laughs> and also, for anybody, if you think, if you think you can get Eli to waive his no trade clause, what have you seen from Eli Manning that another team will gladly take that $20 million and spend it on him next year? I mean, I get it. A lot of Giant fans or Yankee fans who think the world serves their purposes only. <laughs> and they have un- unlimited cash and unlimited, you know, it's – I, I want to get rid of my worst pitcher. And, oh, by the way, why don't you give me your best hitter in return? <laughs> it's not the way the real world works, and it certainly does in the NFL when you have a hard salary cap. So, <laughs> I I don't know what to tell people. I, I almost I, want Eli to retire to save himself from the uh, from what I feel personally attacked for. I'm not even defending the guy. I'm just trying to keep it fair. I'm just trying to be real, trying to be honest, and what I see and what I think is the problem and where I think the solution is. And I feel exhausted trying to make my case. I could only imagine what he feels like. Yeah, I and again, to retire our, for his sake. And our case is not that we love Eli and want him to play. Our case—it's is... not. I mean, he'll always yeah. hold a special place in my heart. But I'm—I want to see wins, man. I—I I don't care about 
listen, I've rewatched the 07 and the 11 Super Bowl. I couldn't even tell you how many times. Guys, I've seen the playoff run. I have them saved. I also own them on DVD. I mean, like, I can watch that shit whenever I want, and I have. I think I think at the start of every year, I watch one of the two before the season actually starts. To be, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, uh-huh. I don't care about that. That's in the past. I want to experience it now. And if that meant a new quarterback, I would honestly say it. I, I am being completely honest in my analysis. This is of no love for anybody other than myself. So. <laughs> I, you know. Well, you know what I want? I don't even want wins right now. I want to start developing towards those wins. Yeah. And, and to be very honest. I want honest, to win years and years in a row. I mean, shit, it must be great to be a Patriots fan. Right? I mean, how great is that? To Every year, I mean, it's like a shoe-in almost. Well, how about even being like a Steeler fan? Yeah. Or someone, okay, they don't win the Super Bowl. Maybe they win it once a decade, but they're always they're in They're always the in it. Every season is like, okay, we have a shot to win the conference. What are we gonna do? I mean, I know it's kind of like one of those. Well, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln, with our two Super Bowls? But other than those two Super Bowls, this has been a terrible stretch for the Giants. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is worse than the middle '90s. And you know, we we sit next to two guys been going to Giant games for 40 years each, and we ask them, "Is this as bad as the Ali Sherman days?" And the, uh, you know, before they got George Young, and they're like, a lot of the time it feels that way. The sense of hopelessness. I mean, not making the playoffs in multiple years. And even to say, well, the Super Bowls. Guess what, guys? This is 2018, about to turn to 2019. There are not many players in the NFL left who were in the league in 2011. Getting close to a decade ago. Yeah. I mean, there's what? There's two active giants, right? There's Eli and... Um, Diossi. Diossi. But <laughs> Eli's a guy who's an anomaly because he's been around for so long. And, you know, Diossi's just a guy that just happens to be a, a, a very specialized position that, you know... <laughs> he's also so been it, very good at his job. Right, right. But you're talking about... I don't think there's anybody left in the league. Forget even active giants. Is there any... Can you think off the top of your head of anybody who's still in the NFL that was on that giant Super Bowl team? On the giant team? Yeah. Which one, 11? 11. There's nobody even left in the league. Well, JPP. Okay, so that's three. My point is that it's enough of a time period where there's a completely different generation of NFL players in the league. Sure. That's that's not, not saying a different generation of giants in the league. That's long enough where... You know, we are a, you know, pathetic franchise. Well, on that cheery note, <laughs> um, we will have another broadcast previewing the upcoming Colts game in Indianapolis where the Giants will travel Oof. to face a red-hot Colts team that just trashed the Dallas Cowboys. Um, First time ever, Grump. Giants and the Cowboys are shut out in the same day. Wow, really? Yes, in 58 years. Interesting. <laughs> um, 
But as always, in between now and Friday morning, where you'll catch that broadcast, you can find us on Twitter. I am at football underscore grump, and I am sure that I am going to be active in answering a lot of questions. I guess I'll put it that way. <laughs> we are here to be realists for you guys. We are. Uh, <laughs> this is a very difficult time to be part of Giants Nation. We don't want people being too low or being too unrealistic. So we will do our best. Um, you will catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, where I am simultaneously talking the Giant Fan off the ledge and beating the shit out of any UCF delusional people that I can. So if you want to, uh, <laughs> you want to take a break from your giant woes and make fun of a pathetic fan base, come follow me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. And as always, our episodes are on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can subscribe. Um, give us a, please give us a good review and a five star rating. Um, and if you forget to check your iTunes and SoundCloud account because you only use them for our broadcast, um, you could be <laughs> that reminded. Would be something. Yeah. <laughs> I think my mom's the only person who falls in that category, but. <laughs> um, we will always bump new episodes on at Just Giants Pod Twitter for the podcast itself. So you can follow that, and it's pretty much strictly going to pop up when we have a new episode out, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Technology. Yeah. All right, everyone. We will see you before the weekend. Go Giants. Go Giants.